You can turn to Genesis 12. We just finished a series on the consequences of sin going through the first 11 chapters in the book of Genesis. And now we start a new series. It's new in really two ways. It's new as it's, it's changing in concept and topic and person. But this is the first time I've ever preached through the life of Abraham. And so it's new to me uh, to preach through his life. It is uh, quite detailed as we have 13 chapters that we're going to be dealing with with Abraham over the next 16 weeks. Amen? Aren't you all excited? And I plan to stay on course and finish at the right time. But I can't make any promises. So 16 weeks is kind of the goal as I've sat down and studied and tried to present it in such a way to to give justice to how important Abraham is to our faith. And so, um, Dave, just throw, I want to show you the, the three things we're going to talk about today at the very beginning, so that as we look at his life and we read the scripture, you kind of understand where we're going and where we're going to focus, and today, really three things. Uh, Abram's call by God. Uh, this may be some of the most important biblical passages in scripture that we have, because everything that comes after this, the Old Testament, the prophets, the kings, the judges, right? All the way up through Malachi, God being quiet, Jesus coming, the, the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ are all to fulfill what takes place in this conversation between God and Abram at the time, right? So you know that I'm going to say Abraham all the time. He's Abram right now. He's going to get a name change a little later. When you're important in Scripture, you typically get a name change, right? And... Um, so I, I'm just excited because it's something new for me. And there's times where you preach through books and you've preached through it seven times and now you're on your eighth. Uh, this is exciting because uh, it's brand new to me as we look at the life of Abraham. It will still be very exegetical and, and exposition. We'll go through each chapter uh, and walk our way through Genesis. But for now, Genesis chapter 12 through 25, we'll be dealing with the life of Abraham and, and particularly his journey of faith. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm reading from the CSB. I have it up on the wall for you. But you are more than welcome to follow along in your copy of God's Word. So chapter 12 begins this way. The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. That's an important line right there. We are all blessed because of the incarnation, because of the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of his first coming. And the way that God fulfills what he says to Abraham here, we know, looking ahead with hindsight, which is 2020, that Jesus Christ is going to come And bless all people through the descendants of Abraham. That's why this is such an important passage. If we're not careful, we just read right through that. And we think, oh, this was neat that God promised a man over 4,000 years ago. And God kind of followed through and gave him a bunch of descendants and gave him a nation. Uh, But we fail to see sometimes that this promise is only fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is especially an important passage and verse. Verse 4 is kind of Abraham's response to God. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. 
75's middle age at that time. How about that? So think about when you're in your middle ages, now God's calling you to something. Uh, so just want to give you kind of a uh, comparison. So 75 in the time of Abram would be middle age today if we look at the lifespan of those in Scripture. He took his wife, Sarai. Don't, don't you like that, that little diphthong? You English teachers out there should be really proud of me, you know, because I usually wouldn't pronounce that Sarai. Her name's going to be changed as well. His nephew Lot and all the possessions they had accumulated in the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. Uh, when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land on the side of Shechem at the Oak of Marah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Do you remember this just a few chapters ago uh, when... Um, Noah comes off the ark with his three sons and Noah plants a vineyard. And Noah drinks a little bit too much of that which comes from the vineyard. And he's in his tent. And Ham makes fun of him or mocks his father and laughs at him. The other two brothers, they back their way into the tent, cover their father. And this is what Noah does. He doesn't curse Ham, but he curses Ham's son, Canaan. And he says to Canaan, Canaan... Shem's descendants, you will be a slave to. And we know that we're, we're a little ways away from this. We've still got to get the whole nation of Israel in Egypt. Then we've got to get them out of Egypt. And then we've got to get them to the border the, of the promised land. And then we've got to get them to be scared to go in to wander for 40 more years. And then through Joshua to come back and go into Canaan land, the promised land. But this is a promise being fulfilled here. So God says to Abraham, a descendant of Shem... I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. Remember, to, most people would say the, the Canaanites were, were also who we call the Phoenicians. They are around the Fertile Crescent. We have the Phoenicians, Sumerians. Verse 7 says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I'll give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country of Bethel, east of Bethel, and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. He built an altar to the Lord there, and he called, the name of, he called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram journeyed by stages to the Negev, to the Negev desert. Let's pray and then let's take a closer look. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is what we need most. Your word is the foundation we stand upon. Lord, we know your word is truth. We also know that it's an inspired book, and we need the Holy Spirit of God to speak to our hearts this morning. And so we pray that we would have ears that are open to hearing, eyes that are open to seeing, so that we might be able to leave this place and live a life that's pleasing to you. So Lord, speak to us very practically today. Allow us to see the facts from Scripture. But more than that, allow us to experience you through your word. So we can leave this place not having only heard of God, heard about God. But we can leave this place having experienced God this morning. And that's what we pray in the precious, holy, beautiful and powerful name of Jesus Christ, your Son, and our Savior. 
there's some pretty amazing facts about Abraham. And Dave, I don't know if I have the map up next or the, yeah. So I, I know this isn't really big, but I'm hoping you can at least see the, the journey that's just been described in these nine verses. So, of course, you see the green fertile crescent there. Abraham follows the, the fertile crescent from Ur of the Chaldees up to Haran. And then he begins down, going into Israel, what, what will become Israel. And then you see that it shows him going over into lower Egypt. And you'll remember that Abraham makes it to Egypt. He's got some problems down there when he uh, doesn't tell people that Sarah is his wife, but is his sister. All right, so we've got some interesting things that are going to come out of Abraham's journey. But this is just a map. I want you to look at it. Hopefully you have one in the back of your Bible. If you really want to picture and see what Abraham's doing, you need to see his movement. So roughly this is like a 1,500-mile trip. All right, and you can tell he takes the long way. And so he stops about halfway through, about 700 miles at Haram, and then he makes his way down another 800 miles. This is all Scripture is telling us, but I want us to make sure we understand just how important Abraham is. And so these are just five facts that I think are very interesting. They're not the only five facts. They're not, not the only things we glean from Scripture, but I think these five facts should just give us just a taste of the importance of Abraham in Scripture. And so the first is this, and I think I have them up for you. The first, Abraham is revered as the father of three major religions. I say that just to, to demonstrate the impact Abraham has had on the world. I'm not saying the other two religions are right. I'm saying that Abraham is such a preeminent man of faith that three different religions honor him as the father of their faith. It's amazing to me to think that the nation of Islam and, and Muslims revere Abraham. The Jewish people, of course, he's the father of their faith, the patriarch of the Jewish religion. Christians today, we look and we see Father Abraham. We even sing about Father Abraham, right? Not going to lead us in that course. But, uh, you know, when I was a youth minister, I might, right? But uh, now we're all grown up. The father of our faith. The man through which his descendants will eventually lead to the Lord Jesus Christ. When, when the New Testament talks about the importance of Abraham, it lists, here's what it says. It says that we will be grafted into Abraham's family. He's the founder of the nation of Israel. The third thing is this. Do you know that Abraham is mentioned by name over 308, time, or 308 times in Scripture? 308 times Abraham is referred to in Scripture. He's a pretty important man. He exemplified faith. He was the preeminent man of faith. That, listen, I know that uh, Hebrews talks about uh, a lot of the faith giants right if by faith Noah built an ark but by faith the Hebrew writers gives us much information about Abraham he is a man whose life literally has changed the course of world history in the Old Testament there's none like him 
in the New Testament, Christ comes and fulfills the promise to him. Think about Matthew as you look at Matthew and you're reading chapter 1 and it's the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ and it says, what? The son of David, the son of Abraham. And so as we enter into this study, I just want you to understand, I want you to get a little grasp, I want you to begin to, to think and feel just how important Abraham is to the faith. And how we can learn much about how to live a life of faith, how to, how to live a, a journey of faith of our own. I would say this, if they were going to build a Mount Rushmore of faith, Abraham would have to be on it. He's that important. And what we can learn from him is of deep importance to us. How do we live a life so pleasing to God that we might hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant? Let's look at God's call. If you really want to understand the life of Abraham, you've got to go back over 40 centuries, right? or 4,000 years, at least. Back to a place of Ur of the Chaldees, where they are idolaters, where they worship pagan gods, especially the moon god, which, I'm sorry to all the grandparents, Nana, is the moon god that was worshipped in Ur. Don't get onto your babies when they call you Nana. They probably idolize you too. Ur, perhaps in Abraham's day, according to um, historians, could have had as many as 250,000 residents. If you look at there, it's just right. Well, you can't look there anymore. Never mind, I don't need it, Dave. But if you look where Abraham starts his journey, you find it's right in the middle of the Fertile Crescent. It's right where we all learned, even in middle school, about the Sumerians and the Phoenicians. He was a man who um, had much wealth. He, he was doing all right. He had a family. Undoubtedly, he's pretty close to his father because he's 75 years old and God has to say, leave your father. Very close to his father. We know he's close to his family because he takes his nephew with him on the trip. So he's here in Ur of the Chaldeans, this central city. We know that from writings that have been found that they were, it was a center for mathematics, astronomy, international commerce. Today it would be like Chicago or New York or London or Singapore. A very important city. Let me just say this. There's some places that if God called you to leave, you would be okay with. I'm not saying Blacksburg's that kind of place, right? But there are some places where you would be okay for God to call you somewhere else. This is not the case of Abraham. Abraham is fine. A Abraham is surrounded by family. He is wealthy in a center of... Uh, just a, a capital city where people are coming and going. It's bustling. It's a great place to be. He's successful. And God decides, or God says, leave. Leave your father. Leave your family. Leave this place where they're worshiping pagan idols. Worship me, the one true God. Now, now we all know what Abraham's going to say because we, we've seen all this 4,000 years in the making. 
We've read about this legacy of Abraham and the faith that Abram had and demonstrated and showed. I want to ask you this morning, the, uh, would you be willing to answer that kind of call from God? If God were to say to you, leave your family, are you willing to do it for God? I'm not even going to answer the questions. I don't like even asking the questions myself. Unless my family can follow me, right? Well, I'll leave them, God. But if they come where I'm at, I don't have any control. No, leave your family. Leave behind the pagan and idolatry. Stop being in a people who worship many gods and they're all false. I'm the one true God. God comes to Abraham. Here's, listen, you need to know this and see this. Abraham does not go looking for God. Rather, God came looking for him. And in your life, if we're honest, in the very heart of hearts, we have to say this, we didn't go looking for God, but rather God came looking for us. You remember the call to salvation in your life? Do you remember when the Lord Jesus Christ, through the very Holy Spirit of God, opened your eyes to your own sinfulness? You didn't go looking for salvation. God came looking for you. All of a sudden, you begin to realize, I'm not the person I thought I was. Now that I'm beginning to see myself as I really am in light of who God is. And there's a very special, efficacious call in your life where it would be effective for salvation, where you had no hope before. Do you remember that call on your life? I still remember the day I got saved. Do you remember the day you got saved? I still remember what it felt like the day I got saved. This holy fear and all of a sudden. Not that I was afraid I was going to die, but I was afraid that I did not have a relationship with God. For the first time I realized I was in trouble. That I was desperate that I needed a Savior. Before that moment, I didn't know I really needed a Savior. I could tell you I did because I've been in Sunday school since one week old. You with me? And, and even in the nursery, they read to us the need for salvation. I knew all about it, heard all about it, but I had never experienced this call on my life. And at nine years old, walking out of church, going to the parking lot, the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart. You're lost, you're undone, you need to be saved. You need a Savior. I, th those aren't verbatim. I didn't hear a word out loud. You know, Gabriel didn't come to the church and announce to me I needed to be saved. But within my heart, the, the voice could not have been any louder that I was in trouble if I was relying on myself. I want to tell you, at nine years old, I did not go looking for God after church was over on my way to the parking lot, but God came looking for me. Don't you love Jesus talking about what kind of shepherd would a man be if he had a hundred sheep and one got lost? Would he not leave the 99 and go to? No, the sheep's not looking for the shepherd. The shepherd goes looking for the sheep. There may have been a conversation that Abraham had with God. There would be a conversation that Bruce would have with God. God, are you really calling me to leave my family? 
Yes. To separate, to leave the city that I've known, that I love, that I have built my wealth and success in? Yes. Well, God, where am I going? I'll tell you when you get there. Maybe then he said, well, what am I supposed to tell my wife? To which God said, not my problem. Are you willing to leave all behind for the call of God? I remember, uh, it's been a long time, I was shared with Michael Rollins a, a week or two ago, that there was this time where um, I got a call from a church about potentially taking um, their pastorate. And, and it, this is a long time ago. This isn't my resignation. Um, it was a bigger church. It was uh, a church that had um, multiple out networking capabilities at that time, which meant either on the radio or TV, right? Um, and can I just tell you this? That was exciting, but then my wife said to me, you're not ready for that. Um, your wife will always tell you the truth. I, I told the man who called me on the phone, he was the chair of the pulpit committee, no, no, I, I will not send a resume. Uh, God had not allowed me, or I didn't feel like God had allowed me to do that. But then I got really convicted because I didn't even ask God. You ever done, God's called me to preach, and I'm not looking to go anywhere, but somebody's calling me, but I was so unwilling to even think about leaving here. That God just convicted my heart, not about leaving, but he convicted my heart about Will you not even consult me about where I would have you go and what I would have you do? Maybe God's called you in the same way to certain things in certain places. Maybe right now you're in a job and you just know that God's calling you to do something else and probably not the right time to quit. All right, you might find another job first. Don't, don't go quit and say that's faith. Abram's call, leave your family. This would be the hardest call for me. I don't know about the rest of it. This would be the hardest call for me. And I consider this church my family. And the church members. It would be very hard for me to leave not only my blood relatives, but every one of my children have been born at this church. Now, come on, don't take me too literally, right? They were born at the hospital, but they were in this church. And so this is my family. Like, I knew Jay Caleb when he's just leaving middle school, going into high school. Now he's almost got middle school kids. Josh and Jen, when they had not been dating too long. You don't know this, but they, they broke up once. It was a rough time in the youth ministry. <laughs> Luckily, they got back together pretty quick. And boy, we are praying for Maverick. We know that he's probably already done and it's all went good. Some of you weren't even middle-aged and now your hair's gray. Uh, even your goatee's gray. 
Are we willing to answer God's call when God asks us to leave when we have such connection and attachments to the things we're around? Remember, you may not be looking for something new. You may not be looking for a new calling. You may be content where you're at. But God may come and say, it's time to go. It's time to go. That scares me. In 12, 1 through 3. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. I've wondered even though. I don't think Abraham knew what God had in store for him. I don't think Abraham knew... In a little over 2,000 years, there's going to be one from my line who, through the Holy Spirit, there's going to be this immaculate conception, right, where this lady's going to get pregnant because the Holy Spirit comes upon her, not because she's known a man. And that's going to come from my line. And so I need to leave her. I need to get to a place where I worship the one true God because in 2,000 years, I'm going to have a descendant who's actually going to be God and man, the Word made flesh. I think all Abraham knew was this. Leave, as I've told you to. Start walking. Start riding. Get your camels. Get your livestock. I'll let you know when you get there. And I believe that's all Abraham knew according to Scripture. How many of us are looking for more answers before we're willing to say yes to God's plan for our life? Maybe you're here today... There's one thing I've never pushed. I've never pushed somebody to join a church. Understand I'm not pushing that this morning. I'm just saying this. When God calls you to join somewhere, don't wait three years for you to decide whether or not you agree with everything. Have a conversation. Take a new members class. Speak with the pastor. If God's called you somewhere, don't just be someone who sits on a pew. Be someone who's in the ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe there may be someone who's never been baptized. And can I just share with you that God through the Great Commission has commanded us to be disciples and to be baptized. You're not baptized to get to heaven. You're baptized because you're going to heaven. But it's something even the Lord Jesus Christ did to, for us to, to emphasize the importance of it. You may be scared of water, Tyranny. You may pull the preacher down in the baptistry when he's trying to dunk you. But if God's called you to baptism, and He has, if you're a believer, what are you waiting on? Maybe God's placed a call on your life to, to enter ministry. I pray that we have teenagers that are coming through right now that God's going to call to ministry. Maybe it's missions. I hope so. I pray we would. Parents, are you willing to support your children if God were to call them to the uttermost parts of the world again we see Jesus all through this passage Abraham anybody who blesses you I'll bless anybody who curses you I'll curse I'll do that and, and, and support you and hold up your descendants in my mighty right hand why so that one day the world will be blessed through you in the person of Jesus Christ 
Some of you are thinking, that's a whole lot about Abraham's call. Why don't you get to obedience? So let's talk about obedience. As we read this passage, it's kind of hard to look and not see how obedient Abraham was to God. I challenge all of us to be obedient to God. To, to not just answer a call and begrudgingly do what it is God's asked us to do, but with joy and enthusiasm to be obedient to what God calls us to. There's four things in this passage that God calls Abraham to. I don't have them up for you. The slide show was getting too long. Leave your country. Leave your people. Leave your father's household and go to a land I'll show you. Those were the commands of God. And what did Abraham do? Um, well, he didn't take a month to go and consider it. But he packs his stuff and heads around the Fertile Crescent to a land that God has promised and is going to get him. How different would our Bibles be today? Understand this. God is sovereign and his plan will always be done. One way or another, there was going to be the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, who would live in a land he promised them. But if Abraham would have said no, we would be reading about a whole new father of the faith. What have we missed out on? Because we've said no to God. What have we missed out on? Because we said wait to God. Like when you know God's called you to do something, when it's very clear and it's evident in your life that God's calling you somewhere, don't wait, don't hesitate, don't calculate, just go. Abraham could have said, well, wait until you show me where I'm going. I'm not going to leave here and start traveling without even knowing what the destination is. Abraham doesn't even know. He's not even going to get the land. His sons aren't going to get the land. His grandsons won't live in the land. His great-great-grandsons are going to Egypt. And then there's going to be a multitude of generations that pass before they even get to leave Egypt on their way to the promised land. And then they get there and they're too scared to go in and they're going to wonder 40 more years. Abraham didn't know all this. God just said, get up and go. I'm going to give you a land and I'll show it to you. Abraham was being asked to forsake everything and all things. I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. And if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have relinquished control of your life to Him. Even those who don't recognize God understand we do serve a sovereign God whether you believe or not doesn't change the fact that God is real exists and is a personal, intimate God. What's God calling you to? What's God calling you to do? It may be grand things and it may be small, minute things. But be obedient in all of them. You ever ask God to change his mind about something? Know that God's unchanging? You say, yeah, but do you remember when uh, he was going to Kill the children of Israel out in the wilderness and Moses prayed and didn't God change his mind there? 
strong argument. Or maybe in his sovereign plan, he wanted Moses to intercede for the people. He was asked to do a lot, but he went. We read stories today, I know that... um, Stories of missionaries who gave everything they have. May not have even seen the fruit of their work. But we look back today and say, wow. Every single Christian in India can be traced back to this one missionary. Who was just willing to go. Who never even saw one person come to salvation in his lifetime. And yet those he discipled and those who came along with him continued the work of the ministry and now we see 5,000 people or more coming to Christ today in some of these places. Isn't it something that we, America, are the third most lost country in the world? Don't you want it to be said about you? Boy, God asked a lot of them. But he still went. I remember having a discussion. and It may have been a study we were doing here. Where a man went to his pastor. Told his pastor. God's told me to sell my house. Sell everything I own. And go to the mission field. And I remember the pastor saying. I tried to talk him out of it. I tried to. Let them see, hold on now, before you get too excited, why don't you kind of test the waters? Why don't you pray about it for a little longer? You know, selling your house is a pretty permanent thing, so before you put your house up for sale, before you, sell, before you buy a plane ticket, just let, let's pray about this for a while. I remember the pastor coming back later and, and said, boy, how disobedient I was. That God had called this man in a radical way to sell all he had to move And to preach the gospel. And me as a preacher of the gospel tried to talk him out of it. I'm not saying that that you shouldn't stop and pray about things. Please do. But do we really believe God may call us to some radical things that people will see us say yes to. And it might cause them to think what in the world is wrong with that person? Shouldn't they say that about us all? What in the world's wrong with them? They're not like everybody else. They don't act like everybody else. They do things that no one else would do. They love like no one else loves. Abraham's obedient. Abraham's worship is the last thing I want to share. I want you to notice this one final truth in our text. Abraham's finally reached the promised land. That, that circle around the fertile crescent there. He's about 800 miles north of Ur. So he's traveled 800 miles. We don't know a time frame. Just he's got a caravan. All right, he's got livestock and, and lots beginning to get some livestock. And they are traveling. And now they're 800 miles away. They still, they're almost halfway there. A little over halfway there to where he's going to go. But God still hasn't shown them what he's promised them. Abraham might say, God, how much further... I've traveled 800 miles away from home. You promised you would show me a land. Where is the land? Abraham didn't. What Abraham did do 
was to stop and worship God. To stop and build an altar. And to worship God. That's faith, right? Something we believe in because God's said it, and yet we haven't seen it, but we are expecting it. That's faith. Things unseen. Things hoped for. Based on God and who He is in God's Word. Eventually He arrives at Shechem. That's kind of central Israel. It's, it's the West Bank today. In the West Bank today. Again, the, the, don't overlook this. When Scripture says, and the Canaanites were in the land. The Canaanites in the land. This goes back to Noah's covenant. This goes back to when God is making arrangements for how civilization is going to begin anew after worldwide judgment. I, I would just say this. I believe Abraham's life in these nine verses are a reminder to us that God's call is not meant to be easy. What, what is right is not always the easy thing to do. God rarely calls us to do things that we can do on our own. But generally calls us to things that require great faith in Him. Why? So He gets the glory. And He gets the honor. Not ourselves. God calls us to difficult things. And in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of not seeing the promise yet fulfilled, what an example we have with Abraham, who stops just to worship God. You know what God does? God reaffirms the promise that he gave him. Moses stops, uh, Moses, Abraham stops to worship God. And in his worship, God shows him again, I know what I've promised you. I'm still going to bring it to pass, even though you don't see it. Even though you may be growing weary, take heart, have hope. I have not forgot my promise to you. I would submit to you today that God says the same thing to us in his word. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Nothing can ever separate you from my love. When you feel alone, know I'm there. When you don't see what it is I've promised coming to pass, I haven't forgot. When you wonder when it's going to happen, know that I am able. This is the God that we serve. This is the God of Abraham. Abraham, leave your family, leave your city, leave your business, leave your home, and go. I'm going to tell you the truth. I at least want to know where. If God just says to me today, leave your family, leave your house, leave your church, leave your home, I at least need to know where I'm going, God. Abraham doesn't have that. What's he do? He goes. He went, Scripture says. I pray that would be said about us. And so right now we're going to play, we're just going to play a song. And uh, I'm going to invite you to pray. If you feel comfortable coming and praying at the front, come pray at the front. If you want to pray where you're at. Here's what I would 
encourage you to do today. To begin to say to God, God, if you're calling me to something, show me. Help me know with clarity what your call is in my life. As far as I'm concerned, if you still have breath in your life this morning, if your lungs are still breathing, God has a plan for you. I'm going to close with this. David, just I always love D.L. Moody. The greatest adventure you'll ever know begins the moment you say yes to God's call in your life. That's not D.L. Moody. He might not like that, so I don't want to cite him. That's just me. This is what D.L. Moody says. Some say faith is a gift of God. So is the air. But you, so is the bread. But you still have to eat it. And so is the water. But you still have to drink it. God's calling you to something. But you, like Abraham, have to get up and go. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts now clearly, Lord. We know your word does not go out and return void. So we pray for those who have decisions maybe that no one else knows about that they need to make that you would speak to their hearts and minds. Others may be going through difficult circumstances and times in their life. And today maybe you just want them to give it all to you. So there may be someone that's here that's never really felt the call of salvation in their life. And maybe today you're speaking to their heart and simply saying, come to me. Those who are weary, heavy-hearted, burdened down, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And so for those who are heavy-hearted and burdened today, Lord, I pray they would give it to you. And Lord, whatever it is you would call our church to, I pray for the leadership in our church, the members of our church going forward, that we would consistently seek your will for your church here at Buffalo. In Jesus' name we pray.